0: welcome welcome everyone to another episode of the 20 something mom i'm your host mackenzie frank let's jump right in (laughs) here let's see is that better can you see me now
1: yeah i could see you but you were like frozen
0: (laughs) okay i just switched my internet sometimes i have two so sometimes one works better than the other it's weird oh my gosh thank you so much
1: Hi, you're welcome. This is so fun. I know. Nice to meet you.
0: i you too. I've been following you for, you know, since we booked this and I just love everything that you do. It's so great.
1: Thank you. No, honestly, like any opportunity to share and talk about our daughter and to just share about stillbirth is like, I'm on it. (laughs) So thank
0: you. It's so funny that you say that because. I was listening to a podcast, and we'll get into this. Um, but I was listening to a podcast called um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, um, "Losing a Child." Always Andy's mom. It's a It's an amazing podcast, and I was listening to it. And on one of the episodes recently, they talk about always wanting to find an excuse to say a child's name. Yep. And I never, I've never thought of that before. Yeah. And they just talk about how impactful that is to even just be able to just say their name.
1: Well, exactly. And it's because, you know, after the loss, especially a stillbirth, like often the parents are the only ones who met the baby. And so the memory kind of just dies with everyone else in a way. And so it's, you can't really like talk about your baby because you don't have any memories with your baby. And so any chance I get to like talk about her or when people mention her name, I'm just like, it gives me so much life.
0: So. Oh, I love that. Well, yeah.
1: first of all,
0: before before, because we have so much, I want I have so much I want to ask you. Um, first of all, thank you so much for being here. I want to introduce you a little bit. Your name is Kim Routley. Am I saying that correctly?
1: Routley. Yeah.
0: Routley. Okay. Sorry. Routley. Oh my gosh. What's it like being in Canada?
1: Um, it's freaking cold right now. So <laughs> yeah. our weather has been about minus 30 degrees celsius
0: okay <laughs> um,
1: which is really cold um yeah right now i think it's like minus 25 we've had snow days three days in a row like it's insane um but yeah oh everything is pretty much on lockdown where i'm from so oh my- canada is not the most exciting place right now <laughs> to
0: oh be. my god well you're a mother a wife you run an essential oil business, which is so cool. I love essential oils. Um, But yeah, before we jump right into our topics, do you want to like, tell me a little bit about yourself, how you met your husband? I always love to ask that.
1: Yeah, sure. So yeah, we've been married for going on seven years. Um, In August, we met, um, we were actually both volunteering for the same uh ministry organization he was 20 and i was 22 and we were like both leaders like on the same team for this um ministry and it's funny because we started hanging out and he was like two years younger than me so i was kind (laughs) of like you know he's a little immature um but like leaders also weren't supposed to date it was like against the rules (laughs) and so we were just like hanging out um and then eventually it was like a year later and everyone's like are you guys like gonna date now (laughs) after all this and we're like okay yeah and then we got married like two years or no we got engaged two years after we were dating um we actually got engaged in hawaii because we were traveling for a bit um and doing like missions work in different places so yeah and then we got married like five months after that so little bit about me and my husband
0: (laughs) and then you have a an adorable little daughter
1: yes so she is our firstborn daughter she's four years old so she's in junior kindergarten right now she's the sweetest little thing we just love her so much
0: oh my gosh and what is her name
1: uh moravia
0: okay i could not pronounce it i know a lot
1: of people say like moravia or like just weird things and i'm like i know it's a unique one it's a long story behind that i won't get into it for this but yeah her name is moravia but if you ask her what her name is she says raya so we're not quite sure how she got that but she's been saying it for about two years and so (laughs) so we're like okay so all her friends call her raya her teachers call her raya like we just kind of go with it now so
0: do you call her raya
1: um i will sometimes it's kind of back and forth but my husband always calls her moravia because he's like that's her name you know
0: (laughs) oh my first of all i love that name i love unique names my daughter's jagger and like i've never heard that that really before but i love moravia that is so pretty (laughs) that is such a like toddler like coming into your own like kid thing to do be like no you know what you're not naming me i'm naming myself (laughs) that is so cute and her teachers say it does she write it on her papers
1: no no she just writes moravia and she thinks it spells raya
0: (laughs) oh my god that is so funny i love that so okay you're on lockdown over there pretty much like we're not so much here, but it's just still, I totally get it. It's insane. What's your morning routine like?
1: Um, okay. Well, typically I get woken up by Moravia or Raya, um, or Raya <laughs> whatever you want to call her. Um, and I get up with her and I fill all my diffusers with my essential oils. Cause that's like the best thing ever. Um, and then, yeah, I always eat breakfast because if you didn't know, always eat breakfast before your coffee because otherwise the coffee will just mess with your hormones. I've been really intentional about eating breakfast like before my morning coffee. I know a lot of people do that, but uh, I do that. Um, and also lately I have been um, setting my alarm for 6am like a crazy person because I wanted to like get into a routine of waking up before her. So I'm not just like rushed for the day. So I'll spend time do some journaling, get my oils on, like make a plan, make my priorities for the day and all of that. And it's been so helpful. Highly recommend.
0: I wanted get on board with that so badly but I go to sleep every night at like 1 or 2 a.m. working so it's yeah. just such a bad cycle that I'm in but you're giving me the strength I feel like I can do it maybe I'll do it tonight
1: I mean- you kind of have to get into it. And sometimes if I'm up late, I'll turn my 6am alarm off. But if I like go to bed at a decent time, and I know that it's doable, and I'm still going to get my eight hours, then I really try to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh my god, I need to get into that. What are some other hobbies of yours?
1: hobbies honestly hobbies is a hard question because first of all we've been like canada has been crazy wild on lockdown like for this whole entire pandemic i I follow some people
0: from canada and it really is insane yeah
1: it's not the greatest place to be right now um but that's an that's a whole that could be a whole nother podcast (laughs) um but yeah i don't know hobbies are hard like i oils i guess instagram
0: so good well I want to thank you again so much for being here and chatting with me. So we're going to go through, you know, the journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Topics like these are rarely talked about and they often make people feel uncomfortable. um, But we speak about them to be open and honest and to, you know, in some way try to provide some hope and help for others um, so that. You know they know that they're not alone other people that are going through this or if they're grieving the death of a loved one you know it's just such a positive thing to keep talking like we were saying in the beginning um so i want to give you the floor and tell your story
1: yeah so basically um so this was in june of 2020 so pandemic had just kind of started i was 34 weeks pregnant Perfectly normal, healthy pregnancy. Um, I had midwives with this pregnancy. Um, our first was like OB and all that, but yeah. So I'm going into my 34 week appointment. I'm like feeling good, feeling like, you know, I look good. I feel good. Like, let's, you know, just get this going. And so I get up there, um, do the whole appointment and she, I hop up on the table for her to listen to the heartbeat with the Doppler and she couldn't find the heartbeat. She's like going around and I'm like, okay, lady, like hurry up. Like getting so annoyed, like find my kid's heartbeat already. You're making me nervous here. And she's like, oh, like I can't find it. And she goes to get another midwife and she's got a doppler on me. And, and then they, um, they, uh, think they found it and they're like, oh, oh, here it is. And I'm like, okay, thank God. And they're like, oh, hang on your heartbeat is the same so like that might be your heartbeat so i'm like oh my gosh like someone tell me what's going on here um and they said look you have to go to the hospital um which was about 45 minute drive away and i was like well like what what do you mean like i was so confused like totally off guard like like i said completely healthy pregnancy no nothing had gone wrong um and so anyway so i call my husband in the parking lot like breaking down And I'm just like, they can't find a heartbeat. Like, I don't know what to do. And so I race home, we drop our daughter off at his mother, at his mom's house, and we drive down to the hospital. And the only thing that I said that was said on that drive was I looked at him and I said, this could be the worst day of our lives because I, the whole ride there, I could not feel her kick. Um, And the nurses, when I got there, they kept asking me, like, when's the last time you felt our kick? And I was like, I don't know, like, it was just, I was so in shock and just in such a, I don't know, frazzle. (laughs) And okay, so I get there, pandemic, my husband's not allowed in the hospital with me. Um, And so he has to wait in the car while I go up to find out if our daughter is dead or alive. And so I go up and the midwife there, at the midwife unit there, She searches for a heartbeat. And the first things out of her mouth are, oh, that right there is baby. And I let out this huge sigh of relief. And I was like, oh, this is all a mistake. Like, she's okay." And then not even two seconds later, she says, hang on a second. That might be your heartbeat. But she knew why I was there. And so again, just confused. Like, I still had hope. Like, what's going on, you know? So eventually they call the OB in, he's got his bedside ultrasound on me, searching away in complete silence. Um, And then the midwife, she turns to me and she says, "Um, is your husband in the car? And I said, yeah. And she said, she said, "Um, I think you should call him. And that's when I knew, I was like, oh my God, like, oh my God, like I was freaking out. And then so I call him, he comes up, Um, actually he wasn't in the room yet. And then the OB just says to me, I'm so sorry, but there's no heartbeat. And then I'm like screaming basically. And my husband comes in like two minutes after that and I'm just screaming like she's gone. Um, so anyway, they give us some time alone, um, just a process. Like I was like, how could this happen? You know, like it was just so out of the blue, right? Um, You'd never expect that to happen, right? Um, And then yeah they were like they come back half an hour later and they're like okay so you're gonna have to make a decision between c-section or induction and i had no idea what to do because our first was actually born c-section and so that felt like more comfortable to me like i was like i've done it before it seems quicker and just easier um but they had really encouraged induction because it's safer and all of that so I went with induction so they induced me and they sent me home to come back later so So, they
0: encouraged
1: that yeah oh
0: wow okay Mm -hmm.
1: yeah they they encouraged the natural birth um yeah and i was kind of on the fence about it like i had never pushed out and we were planning a v-back with river um so it was it was kind of what we were planning anyways um, and so he said, like, to just go with that. And it's it's safer for me. Like, it's not an OR. It's not a surgery, you know, but I was so afraid because I'd never given birth before, right? Like, naturally. And so my first experience with it was going to be a dead baby. Yeah. So yeah. I was absolutely petrified. Um, we went home. I had to, like, pack her little hat and her little blanket that we had for her and pack my robe and all of that. And it was like, the worst thing ever. And then we came back to the hospital. I was in labor the whole night. Got an epidural. um, And then, yeah, actually, when we got up to the, I obviously had to give birth on the labor and delivery floor. And the first thing I heard when I walked onto that floor, of course, was all these newborn cries. And it was, like, so devastating because I was like, I knew that I wasn't going to get that from my baby this time. like. I was so petrified for that silence when she came out. Like, I, it's all I could feel in my body. Like, as soon as they told me and, like, I knew I was giving birth to her, I was, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to handle that silence. Like, she's not going to cry when she comes out. Um, And it was just, I was so, I was so terrified for that. But, yeah, so I eventually get to, like, pushing. um, And honestly, like, pushing her out was a... <laughs> Like, I'll never be able to fully describe the feeling that I felt. Like, I could, like, hear her limbs, like, hit the table beneath me. Like, just limp. And, like, just, I felt so empty. Like, I remember, like, screaming. Like, not even, it sounded like an animal, honestly. Like, just from within. Just, like, so devastated and so overcome with grief. Um, I hadn't seen her at that point. Um, but, yeah, they eventually, like, stitched me up um you know all of that and then they wrapped her up and they handed her to me and i remember just thinking like yeah i was so afraid to look at her cuz i'd never seen a dead baby before let yeah. alone like held my own dead baby um but yeah she was so beautiful and i remember just thinking like i love her the same yeah. as my oldest daughter like wow. there was no difference and like that's something i just wasn't I never really thought of you know because obviously she hadn't been born yet she was still in my stomach um but when she came out it was like oh my gosh like i just loved her so much and um yeah we held her for about six hours and after babies are born um like stillborn they actually just deteriorate really quickly they change really quickly so we i remember sitting there with my husband um And I just was like, it's time to go. And like I was so dreading having to leave. And I was like, I don't know how I'm ever going to leave her. And I just had this moment of like, it's time to go. And so we just like said our goodbyes. And the nurses were amazing. And we just handed her to the nurse, and she like cradled her and rocked her, and and then we had to walk out without her. And to do was go and just hug our oldest daughter, because um, they often say like, grief is love with nowhere to go. Um, But like, I just wanted to like, hug and hold my, she was two at the time. So she was a month away from turning three. Um, You know, she was so excited for her baby sister to come. And I remember the next day we told her, and, I just like knelt on the floor with her because I was like, how are we going to do this? Like, how is this going to go, right? Um, And I just knelt on the floor with her and we decided that we weren't going to just like try to sugarcoat it or brush it under the rug. Like we were going to just be super honest with her and explain what happened. Like we used the word died and we explained what that meant and what to expect. like you know, your sister died, she went to heaven, she's not gonna be coming home to live here with us anymore. Um, And we just explained it as best as we could um, for her. And she, I remember I just had like tears streaming down my cheeks and she didn't say anything, but she just like took her hands. She like wiped away my tears and she just like looked into my eyes. It was just the most, yeah, it was the most gentle, beautiful like experience I had ever had with her, so. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
0: What? So I have a couple questions initially. So when you come home, a lot of the time, people looking for support through grief, they're often wondering, like, what do I do when I get home? How do I feel? Like, how can you walk through like a little bit of like, what were you able to do? How did you even get through those first couple days after?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, I mean, the first couple of days, you're kind of just in survival mode. I mean, your breast milk comes in, you're healing, you know, with like your stitches and like all the things that come with giving birth. Like she was seven pounds, nine ounces. So like she was a full baby, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were just, I was just kind of healing from that. Um, those first couple of days. And I remember, um, Actually, I'll tell you this. Like, I remember laying in bed one night and the guilt that I felt was so insane. Like, it set it set me off into, like, a complete panic attack. Um, and I remember just, like, screaming on my bedroom floor, like, when is this going to stop? Like, someone wake me up from this nightmare. And it was from the, the guilt as well. Like, I've said before, like, the guilt on top of all this trauma was the worst part of it. Because I somehow felt like it was my fault, um, which I can get into a bit later. But like I remember just thinking, like, okay, I need to figure out how to grieve, <laughs> and just really kind of immersing myself. Like I didn't want to just kind of like move on and be strong and like you know not actually deal with the trauma and you know the heartbreak. Um, and I was like, I never want to feel this like panic hopelessness again. Um, so like I said, I kind of, I started taking, like doing counseling, joining support groups, like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So they they have one called pregnancy and infant loss support groups. Um, and I've asked, they have them in America and Canada, like I'm pretty sure worldwide. Um, and they're like group, like zoom calls that are like trained professionals. Um, it's not necessarily like a counseling session, but it's just all different moms go. Um, And they just talk about different things with their grief. And um, so, yeah, I did a bunch of those. Like they usually are like six week sessions or eight week sessions. And so I did a whole bunch of those, which was helpful and made a lot of really awesome connections with moms that I still talk to almost every single day. Um, And then I remember just like searching the stillbirth hashtag and trying to you know, just find other women that this has happened to, because I'll tell you, it is such a lonely experience in those early days. Like I literally felt like I was the only one in the whole world that this ever happened to. Oh. <laughs> like, I know that wasn't true, yep. but that's how it felt. And I was so desperate to connect with other moms and um, I don't know, just feel less alone. Yeah, um, and it makes so. so
0: much sense because for, this type of experience you were not just dealing with i lost my daughter and now i have to grieve you were dealing with i lost my daughter my body's changed my body's going through all of these different changes and the milk and the bleed there's so many things every probably second by second reminded of it so to Mm -hmm. find people in your realm of what you're going through must have been so helpful
1: it was, it, it it has helped me tremendously to be connecting with other moms and just even hearing their stories and going to different support groups with them. Um, I know a friend who has a support group on Clubhouse at Still My Son, <laughs> if you follow her, but yeah, it's just, it's so helpful to, to be a part of um, like the community, you know, the community we never wanted to be in, but here we are and we need each other, so.
0: That That's so perfectly said, I love that. And
1: what, so that's what
0: can help you, what, are, what doesn't help? Like I, I feel like I, people that have not gone through this type of situation or are going through it like wanna know what can we do, what can't we do, what should we say, what
1: shouldn't we say? Right, um, I mean, for me, I just found it super helpful when people just gave me the space to share okay um you know we don't want to be told that it's like there's so many cliche things that people want to say to make you feel better because they want to make your pain go away but the truth is you can't so it's like it's not helpful to say those cliche things and i feel like people are talking about it more and more on you know different platforms of like what not to say what to say um but like you don't have to say anything Like, just give them the space to share. Like, if they want to share their story, let them share. And all you have to do is listen. Like, how how we were, you know, sharing at the beginning, um, you know, letting them say their child's name. Like, that is music to a lost mom's ears when you can say River Joy to me or whatever it is. Like, I've got this necklace that says River Joy that was gifted to me. Like, all, anything with her name on it, I'm like, yes. Wait, can we
0: talk, actually, can we talk about River's name first? Because I am obsessed with that name. How did you even come up with it?
1: Honestly, I don't even know. It was, so my husband really wanted to name her Rain, spelled oh, I like it. R-E-I-G-N. Um, And I was like, I really like it. I was like, but I feel, I feel like we're close. <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know. And then I was like, what about River? Um, and then he was like totally on board board with it. Like there was no convincing at all. Immediately? And just, yeah. And I oh. was like, was like oh, yeah. yeah, actually. And then, yeah, I thought River Joy just, like, we had named her like long before she was born. So yeah, I don't know. I just fell in love with it. So.
0: It is such a, such a good name. It's funny because on, uh, you know, everybody has like baby name lists. I love the name Ridge and I I heard river from you and I was like, oh my God, that is the most amazing name. It's it just reminded me of of that. Yes. Like those rain, yeah. like those just earthy names yeah. are so beautiful. Yes, love,
1: love the earthy natural names. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know, I love it. Um and then Joy, where does that come from?
1: Um honestly, um, I don't even know. They flow honestly, so just, well together. I, I know, I was like, it just kind of flows together yeah. and yeah. I don't know. I love that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So now how was it for your husband? I know that's, you know, because you go through physically, emotionally, mentally, obviously, but there's another side to it too, your partner. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So that was like a huge thing that we noticed pretty early on was that dads are so often forgotten in their grief. And Yeah, like no one really checks up on the dads. It's always about the moms, you know, the moms carried the baby, all of that. The moms gave birth to the baby. But when you have a stillborn, it doesn't just affect the mom, it affects the dad, the daughter, like the grandma, everybody. Um, So we noticed a huge gap in support for grieving dads like really early on. And um, I think my husband would say the same thing, like just given the space to share, you know, and permission to share. And like, I don't know, I find sometimes it's maybe harder for men to be vulnerable, or like they feel like they shouldn't be, they have to be strong for their their wives and for their families and, you know, that whole narrative um, yeah. around that. But like, yeah, my husband just really wanted someone to be like, hey, like, how's it going? Like, how are you feeling? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't know, just asking questions. And he had one friend that was like, hey, let's go for a walk. So it, this was pretty early on, like a month after so, and and they just went for a walk. And he was like, yeah, like what happened? Like, tell me everything. And so um, my husband just like shared everything with them. And the guy, his friend was like, I have nothing to say, thank you for sharing. And, and it was so helpful for my husband to just have that um, from someone other than me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say too, like, um, You know the mom i was saying all the moms get the engraved necklaces and the pictures and all of that but i have a friend on instagram um who does like memorial prints and so for my husband's birthday i have like one or two pictures of them together river and my husband and i got it printed like this huge print Mm -hmm. um and framed and I gave that to him and like, he absolutely loved that. Cause it was one, like the only thing he ever got of him and his daughter. So yeah, thinking about things like that, her her Instagram is mother of wild with an E on the end if anyone wants to check her out. But yeah, so like Memorial Prince. So That's yeah, beautiful. I don't know, just finding stuff like that to include dads and um, even on her first birthday. So I'll tell you this, like on River's first birthday I mean, I'm also a lot more vocal about it and what I'm going through on my Instagram. I got like so many messages coming in on that day on her first birthday. My husband got one (laughs) and he was like so grateful for that one message, but he just was like, oh man, like it just, it hurts. Right. So yeah, there's a huge gap for grieving dad. So um, I'm hoping to jump on an Instagram live with him sometime (laughs) and just talk about it and like, I don't know, figure out what we can do about it.
0: How does he and he's pretty open about talking about it just like you are is that
1: yeah i mean he wants to be um i feel like he hasn't really been given like the space to ask or like to share yeah um publicly i guess or even any anywhere really but um we were recently on like a stillbirth panel and he shared on that and that was his first time ever talking about the loss like to anybody other than that friend who took him on a walk basically so that was pretty huge step for him that was last week so wow
0: um,
1: yeah so he's starting to want to like talk more about it so yeah
0: that's amazing and it's really interesting that you say there's a huge gap for grieving fathers men you really do associate it with being tough like oh you can't you can't have those emotions, those feelings, and then they're just subcategorized into, all right, well, they're just going to be put on the back burner, right? But it's conversations just like this, that people are going to listen to this. And now I'm 100% going to have more, more of an open mind to, wait, what about the dad? What about the, you know, because I don't know why it is the way it is, but yeah. spreading this information is exactly what we need to do.
1: Yeah. That's so true.
0: Yep. And so on that topic too, you know, how can someone support like someone like your daughter, a young one that is dealing with grieving parents and maybe not understanding what's going on or maybe understanding what's going on? Do you have any advice for that?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of guess shared a, a touch on it. Like when we told our daughter, what happened. She was a month away from being three. Um, and we were just really honest and open with her. And um, I, I've heard other moms like saying, oh, baby sister, baby brother is sleeping. And that can be very confusing for children, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. you know, well, then when are they going to wake up? And if I go to sleep, am I going to wake up? And like we just wanted to be very clear with her and of course she didn't understand like the full thing of it that'll come later but she's always been like we've always encouraged her to talk about it um and just given her the space to to process it and like we never try to make her feel better like if she's feeling sad and it comes out that cuz oftentimes okay she will have tantrums or She's just emotionally so messed up for the whole day. And when I get to the bottom of it and we like encourage her to talk about her emotions and what she's feeling, we've always been really intentional with that. She will often say, I just miss River and she'll burst into tears. And so in those moments, I don't say, oh, it's okay. Like I just say me too. Yeah. And we just cry together and we just hug and hold each other. And um, we've just always encouraged her to be you know just open and share and it's okay to be sad you know yeah facing her emotions head
0: on that is perfect advice i think if anything that is exactly how to handle it with kids because really shying them away from their emotions i mean what is that going to do that's so amazing that you do that with her and i think that'll yeah. just help her in life in general i feel like just being yeah. an open yeah. um, um, Okay with emotions type of person, which is amazing. exactly,
1: yeah, I that's how we try to raise her is to just yeah, not be afraid of her emotions. <laughs>
0: that's so good. and is there anything that you wish you knew after uh, going yeah, through
1: a lot? <laughs> there's a lot I wish I knew, man. so okay, basically, what it comes down to is um, I wish I knew I wish I knew the risks of stillbirth. And I understand that like people don't talk about it because it's like scary and you don't wanna put, you know, added worry or anxiety on that new mom. But I just feel like it's important to educate women and pregnant women on the risks, not in like this fear thing, but just so that they are empowered to know what to look out for and signs of you know that their baby might be impossible distress signs to look out for what to know about that and i just think that education was so missing for me and um for me like before loss i was like oh stillbirth like you know if there's a genetic something's wrong with the baby like some sort of genetic thing you know they're diagnosed with it and And they know ahead of time that the baby's not going to live, or something happens during the birth and the delivery, you know, some sort of whatever happens. And that's the risk is the actual delivery. Like, I, maybe I'm one of, I just feel like more people actually were kind of like me, where like you, you just don't think that a perfectly healthy baby. No, 100%. 100%. 100%, I totally agree. And just hearing you speak
0: and thinking back to, my experience pregnant, I, I don't think I ever really thought of anything. Like it was kind of just like, oh, I mean, yay, this is great. Go to my appointments. Haven't like had any spot, you know, like all those things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you just, you assume that, you know, you're 34 weeks, you got six more weeks to go and baby's healthy born and that's just it, right? Like, I mean, I remember getting a little nervous for like labor and delivery, but if she's in there she's fine like that's really what I thought um you know but I think just if anyone was wondering I think it's so important to note like to just be so um like aware of your baby's movement I think that's the number one way to prevent stillbirth is to be aware of your baby's normal with their kicks and Um, you know, if you feel a decrease in movement or even an increase in movement, um, that's different from what your baby's normal is, that's when you need to go and get checked out. Um, like, I'll just be honest with you about a week before, um, we found out she was gone. I remember sitting there and I was thinking, actually it was the Thursday, um, before she died and she died on a Tuesday was when I found out. So it was, yeah, like four or five days um, I was thinking, wow, she hasn't moved like all morning. And I put my, you know, I quieted myself and I put my hands on my belly and she kicked and I was like, oh, she's fine. But like, I never, never registered to be like, but wait, I need to be monitoring this, you know, like this is different from, you know, what she was like, couple of weeks ago, like she had a very sort of, um, slow decrease in movement. And I remember thinking like, Oh, you know, we're getting closer to the end. You know, everyone keeps commenting on how big I am. You know, she must be running out of room or whatever it was that I was thinking. Um, I just want women to know, like, just pay attention to what your baby's normal is and anything that is not, um, in that baby's normal, it could mean that your baby's in distress and you need to just go get checked out. Like, no Googling, no asking your mom, no sitting there drinking orange juice for an hour. Like, just go. Yeah, because... and you bring
0: up such a good point because I feel like, and I can only obviously relate it back to me, but I just feel like anytime time I, you know, because there are throughout your whole pregnancy, you're like, oh, what if this, what if that? You have those thoughts every mom does, right? So, but you justify them. Oh, no this, no that. You don't wanna be a crazy person. You don't wanna be the person that calls your doctor twenty four seven and they get annoyed with you. You you know, but what you're saying and it really rings true and means can mean so much to so many people is at the end of the day it's the safety and the and your peace of mind.
1: You feel a decrease in movement, like I wouldn't wait for an appointment. I would like be going into the ER, um, because sometimes That's just what you need to do. And sometimes Mm -hmm. things might be fine, but sometimes they might not be. But to always go with your instinct and don't leave that hospital feeling brushed off, like go and get things done, like get an ultrasound, get an NST, whatever it is. Uh, Because the thing is, is that oftentimes um, there's nothing wrong with the baby. It's the placenta. Like that was for us. Like River was perfect. There was absolutely nothing wrong with her. Um, Like the autopsy was like, nope, unremarkable she's perfect it was the placenta that had the issue so that's also a whole other topic with like that gap in um you know yeah with just measuring the placenta and looking at the placenta and ultrasounds they don't always do that to the depth that they should um but yeah anyways yeah it's there's a lot there's a lot of missed stuff and again
0: by talking about it that's the only way we're going to spread the spread the word and have other people understanding and and be a little bit more diligent if that's what that means and that can help so many people and you know i do want to ask you what maybe one maybe a couple what are some things like how has this experience changed you or are or what has it taught you in general
1: um I mean, I've changed so much since The Loss, like the last almost two years. Um, I, w- I would say I'm like almost unrecognizable from two years ago before Loss. Like my whole, I don't know, I, f- I find like after you go through something like that, like your whole outlook on life kind of shifts a little bit. Um, but also I've just felt, um, I don't know, empowered in a way to talk about my story and to realize like, you know what, I have a voice to share. And, um, you know, and also just feeling like, okay, healing takes time, but time doesn't heal. So you actually have to be very intentional and you have to kind of fight for your healing a little bit. Like you don't just heal, you know, all that grief and trauma doesn't just go away. It never will, but healing your heart is so important um you know and working through all that grief stuff so i don't know just feeling proud of myself for um yeah just immersing myself in all the healing things and um just empowering myself to talk about it so i don't know i've changed in so many ways like i don't even it's a hard question to answer
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i think you hit the nail on the head it's when you do, and I've heard this so many times, when you go through such a loss and go through such an intense grieving process, which you're still going on, you know, forever going on, it does change you. You you look at life differently. You, you know, you appreciate different things than you may not have before. And it's, it's really amazing to hear you because you have such an upbeat personality. You're so bubbly and positive and happy. And Maybe somebody listening to this has just gone through something like this, and they are at that stage of I don't think I can live a day. I can't. I don't think I'll be able to get to next week. And there, this is your living proof of you. Like you said, you can heal. You can work on yourself and still advocate and still say River's name and still talk about River and still. It's it's a beautiful thing what you're doing, being such an advocate for so many people that can't for themselves or haven't been able to yet for themselves if that makes sense
1: yeah i mean talking about it has been so healing for me honestly like that was kind of why i started my whole instagram i was so desperate to not feel so alone in this and i started talking about it and i was like okay i can be that for someone else you know like someone else who this is like happened to we can connect and they can find my page to feel less alone in their grief but really sharing about it I didn't realize how healing and like therapeutic on like almost that would be for me as well just writing about it and yeah so yeah absolutely i one other thing that
0: that podcast that i was telling you about in the beginning another um on this particular episode that i was listening to recently the idea of um what not to say and what to say is obviously thrown around all the time and one thing that i want to get your I, your your take on so tell me you know what you think um one lady was saying i never since the loss of my child i've never asked somebody how many children do you have um how old are your children she's like now i say tell me about your family because yeah. it's just such a different way such a different approach and you never know if you can trigger somebody how do what do you think of that
1: yeah, that was really hard for me. I remember doing some like classes and meetings and stuff where I had to like introduce myself and it was so hard for me to word it because if it if it wasn't like a, something I was doing that was about stillbirth, I just, I felt like I couldn't talk about her. Um, and so I would just say, we live in Canada. I live in Canada with my husband and my daughter who's for like I would just find a way to like not say I have one child um, because I knew that wasn't true like I would feel so guilty if I said I have one child I have two children Um, one is with us here and one is in heaven Um, but yeah I find I've been much more aware of that as well just like that other person like asking people how many children they have is this your first i'm i'm much more aware of you know they could be a lost mom too and that's the same thing with miscarriages
0: right i mean i was such a naive little small-minded person before i got pregnant because everyone was asking us you know how they do like oh when are you gonna start having kids when are you gonna start having kids right and I remember talking to somebody and just saying, like, why does that ever upset people? I don't get why that upsets people to hear. Like, you either know if you want kids or you don't. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, like you say how you change so much. I mean, giving birth to a baby changes you in yeah. period, right? Yeah. So now that I've gone through that, I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much wrong with that with that thinking. And it's the same thing. It's, you know, you just never know what somebody's going through. Exactly. I loved talking to you. I'm so happy that I got to hear about River and your story and everything that you stand for is just amazingly beautiful. And I hope your husband does a live because I really want to hear from him. And if he does, let me know ahead of time so I can share it, share it because I really definitely want to hear that.
1: I'm sure we will
0: <laughs> definitely. Well, thank you so much. Um, you can find Kim. Where, well, why don't you tell us where we can find you?
1: <laughs> well, on I'm on Instagram on all the time. So yeah, just Kimberly Routley. It's just my full name is me. Um, so I share a lot about like grief and loss and support and just all the things that you might be going through with guilt. <laughs> guilt is a huge thing I talk about because. You should never feel guilty for a loss. I felt that way, but it was literally not your fault. There's nothing you can do um, to cause this to happen. Um, So I talk a lot about that um, and I just try to share different stillbirth education. So yeah, you can definitely find me there. Amazing, thank you so much. I again, so appreciate it. You're
0: amazing, your daughters are so beautiful and I just am so here for all of your content. I love it. And thank you so much to everyone who listens each week Supporting the 20-something mom podcast is so amazing and so helpful to so many out there. With this platform, we're here to bring light to the hard conversations and unspoken topics. Here to create a space where judgment disappears and nothing goes unsaid. Thank you to Kim, her family, and her beautiful daughter, River Joy. Continue to talk, continue to spread the word, continue to advocate. Thank you everyone again for being here. Join us back again next week for another episode of the 20-something mom. With me, Mackenzie Frank.